Section 17 of Summer in a Garden and Calvin, A Study of Character by Charles Dudley Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mark Penfold. Section 17 Summer in a Garden Fourteenth Week In these golden latter August days, nature has come to a serene equilibrium. Having flowered and fruited, she is enjoying herself. I can see how things are going. It is a downhill business after this, but for the time being it is like swinging in a hammock. Such a delicious air, such a graceful repose. I take off my hat as I stroll into the garden and look about, and it does seem as if nature had sounded a truce. I didn't ask for it. I went out with a hoe, but the serene sweetness disarms me thrice is he armed who has a long-handled hoe with a double blade yet to-day i am almost ashamed to appear in such a belligerent fashion with this terrible mitreilu of gardening the tomatoes are getting tired of ripening and are beginning to go into a worthless condition green the cucumbers cumber the ground great yellow overripe objects no more to be compared to the crisp beauty of their youth than is the fat swine of the sty to the clean little pig the nutmeg melons having covered themselves with delicate lacework are now ready to leave the vine i know they are ripe if they come easily off the stem moral observations you can tell when people are ripe by their willingness to let go richness and ripeness are not exactly the same the rich are apt to hang to the stem with tenacity. I have nothing against the rich. If I were not virtuous, I should like to be rich. But we cannot have everything, as the man said when he was down with smallpox and cholera, and the yellow fever came into the neighborhood. Now the grapes, soaked in this liquid gold, called air, begin to turn, mindful of the injunction, to turn or burn. The clusters under the leaves are getting quite purple, but look better than they taste. I think there is no danger, but they will be gathered as soon as they are ripe. One of the blessings of having an open garden is that I do not have to watch my fruit. A dozen youngsters do that, and let it waste no time after it matures. I wish it were possible to grow a variety of grape like the explosive bullets that should explode in the stomach. The vine would make such a nice border for the garden, a masked battery of grape. The pears, too, are getting russet and heavy, and here and there amid the shining leaves one gleams as ruddy as the cheek of the nut-brown maid. The Flemish beauties come off readily from the stem, if I take them in my hand. They say all kinds of beauty come off by handling. The garden is peace as much as if it were an empire. Even the man's cow lies down under the tree where the man has tied her, with such an air of contentment that I have small desire to disturb her. She is chewing my cud as if it were hers. Well, eat on and chew on, melancholy brute. I have not the heart to tell the man to take you away, and it would do no good if I had. He wouldn't do it. The man has not a taking way. Munch on, ruminant creature. The frost will come soon. The grass will be brown. I will be charitable while this blessed lull continues, for our benevolences must soon be turned to other and more distant objects. The amelioration of the condition of the Jews, the education of theological young men in the West, and the like. I do not know that these appearances are deceitful. 
but i sufficiently know that this is a wicked world to be glad that i have taken it on shares in fact i could not pick the pears alone not to speak of eating them when i climb the trees and throw down the dusky fruit polly catches it in her apron nearly always however letting go when it drops the fall is so sudden the sun gets in her face and every time a pear comes down it is a surprise like having a tooth out she says if i couldn't hold an apron better than that but the sentence is not finished it is useless to finish that sort of a sentence in this delicious weather besides conversation is dangerous as for instance towards evening i am preparing a bed for a sowing of turnips not that i like turnips in the least but this is the season to sow them polly comes out and extemporizes her usual seat to consult me about matters while i work i well know that something is coming this is a rotation of crops isn't it yes i have rotated the gun to seed lettuce off and expect to rotate the turnips in it is a political fashion isn't it a shame that the tomatoes are all getting ripe at once what a lot of squashes i wish we had an oyster bed do you want me to help you any more than i am helping no i thank you i wonder what all this is about don't you think we could sell some strawberries next year by all means sell anything we shall no doubt get rich out of this acre don't be foolish and now don't you think it would be nice to have a and polly unfolds a small scheme of benevolence which is not quite enough to break me and is really to be executed in an economical manner wouldn't that be nice oh yes and where is the money to come from i thought we had agreed to sell the strawberries certainly but i think we would make more money if we sold the plants now well said polly concluding the whole matter i am going to do it and having thus consulted me polly goes away and i put in the turnip seeds quite thick determined to raise enough to sell but not even this mercenary thought can ruffle my mind as i rake off the loamy bed i notice however that the spring smell has gone out of the dirt that went into the first crop in this peaceful unison with yielding nature i was a little taken aback to find that a new enemy had turned up the celery had just rubbed through the fiery scorching of the drought and stood a faint chance to grow when i noticed on the green leaves a big green and black worm called i believe the celery worm but i don't know who called him i am sure i did not it was almost ludicrous that he should turn up here just at the end of the season when i supposed that my war with the living animals was over yet he was no doubt predestinated for he went to work as cheerfully as if he had arrived in june when everything was fresh and vigorous it beats me nature does i doubt not that if i were to leave my garden now for a week it wouldn't know me on my return the patch i scratched over for the turnips and left as clean as earth is already full of ambitious pusley which grows with all the confidence of youth and the skill of old age it beats the serpent as an emblem of immortality while all the others of us in the garden rest and sit in comfort a moment upon the summit of the summer it is as rampant and vicious as ever it accepts no armistice the end of section seventeen recording by mark penfold